This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Halloween Ends. It's been four years since Michael Myers vanished without a trace. Hello. feels different. He's more dangerous. And the story is as follows. Four years after her last encounter with mass killer Michael Myers, Lori Strode is living with her granddaughter and trying to finish her memoir. Myers hasn't been seen since, and Lori finally decides to liberate herself from rage and fear and embrace life. However, when a young man stands accused of murdering a boy that he was babysitting, it ignites a cascade of violence and terror that forces Lori to confront the evil she can't control. The film is starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Annie Matichek, James Jude Courtney, Will Patton, Rowan Campbell, and Kyle Richards. It is written and directed by David Gordon Green, co-written by Paul Brad Logan, Chris Bernier, and Danny McBride. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Cody Derricks. Hiya. And Dan Bayer. Evil dies tonight? Uh, apparently evil did not die that <laughs> night. 
<laughs> did you guys catch the graffiti in this movie that says love wins today? Yeah, I did. I did. My viewing party screams. <laughs> I have uh, so many thoughts on this film, which is actually so many thoughts. something I was not prepared to say heading into this podcast review. Uh, just to recap a little bit for those that don't know, we reviewed the 2018 Halloween, the 1978 original and Halloween Kills. So we're completing this trilogy now from David Gordon Green here. And my experience with the Halloween franchise has been an interesting one because I watched many of the Halloween sequels just for fun, but I was never a quote unquote fan. Um, I, I, I like the original perfectly fine. I recognize its place in history. I will freely admit the slasher genre is not for me typically. In fact, I actually like movies that subvert the slasher genre more than I do the traditional slashers out there. Uh, I thought the 2018 David Gordon Green Halloween was uh, I I was more mixed on it than some others were leaning a little bit negative on it. But I liked a lot of what it was trying to do. I absolutely despised Halloween Kills. It was like one of my least favorite movies of that year. And now Halloween ends, the much anticipated finale of the saga of Laurie Strode and Michael Myers here. Oh, man. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to avoid spoilers, and I would like to talk about spoilers at the end because I think that some of the kills and just where this story goes uh, deserves a talk within its own right. Uh, So before we get to all of that, uh, we'll start off with Cody here, who is our resident horror expert amongst us and I know has a love for the franchise, the genre. Cody, what did you think of Halloween Ends? Thank you for that stunning introduction. Uh, Yes, anybody that knows me knows that Halloween is absolutely my thing, not just the movie series, but the holiday itself. I am currently surrounded by no less than three jack-o'-lanterns, so if that this is, you know, proof positive of that. Uh, I am a fan of the franchise, uh, for better or for worse. You know, I think probably the only truly great film amongst all, I believe there's 14 or 13 now off the top of my head, is the original one. That's the only one that I would call, you know, truly great art. There's others that I have affection for and some that I think are downright terrible. This new David Gordon Green trilogy, I'm on record with not liking the ori- the first one, the 2018 Halloween, really at all. I think it's kind of just a slog. I think it's just, it, it thinks it's very smart, even though it's not. It's trying to, like, recapture some haunted energy from the original movie. It does not succeed, I think. And I, <laughs> anybody who listened to our review last year will probably remember that I was one of the few vocal proponents and fans of Halloween Kills. I thought it was much more uh, streamlined in its horror elements. I think it's much nastier and more brutal in the kills, which is perversely enjoyable in a way. And I think the uh, message of that movie, the uh, the element of mob mentality in America and how it, you know, warps us all is clunky as hell. But at least it's, I think, kind of straightforward and it, it makes sense given the logic of the movie. Halloween ends, I went in with not high expectations, knowing, you know, the trajectory of this franchise in general. But since I did like the last one, I thought maybe it would be a return to form in that sense. I was pretty disappointed. I think this is a movie that is, sorry, really up its own ass in terms of pop psychology and 
a pseudo analysis of his own characters. It also has a completely unfocused uh, center. It's lead is not who you think it's going to be and I don't think it succeeds in doing some sort of bait and switch that is actually interesting. It all seems kind of random. I think the screenplay is pretty bad. It's a movie, it's one of those movies where characters just kind of barf up all their feelings at once at all times, no matter who's in front of them and it just is really not a good time. It's kind of just a really like dumb movie. There's some fun horror elements towards the end. But by the time we got there, I was, I could not be convinced. Okay. All righty. Dan Bear, what about you? Yeah, so I am kind of the opposite of Cody in that I actually really liked the 2018 Halloween. I thought that it, it was kind of dumb and how it like was very wanted to be about drama in all capital letters, but I had fun. I thought it was at least somewhat self-aware about itself and what it was trying to do. And I thought Halloween kills <laughs> was an incredibly dumb movie that thought it was incredibly smart. And I approached ends with great apprehension. <laughs> And I think that uh, it really tried to split the difference between being incredibly stupid and, and kind of smart and completely failed at that, more or less. I don't think it's a bad movie necessarily, although when we get to the end and I give my grade, I... I can only see that grade eventually going down if on the off chance I should ever choose to rewatch this, I do not see it going up. Because I think that what good that is in there is a lot of like the element of surprise and not knowing what's going to happen. But watching it again and knowing what does happen i can only imagine that i'm just going to be even more frustrated like why didn't you do this instead why didn't you focus on this topic or this character or just why 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 i did have a more or less good time while watching it because i do think the kills are kind of fun or at least well executed but <laughs> I do not buy at all the one sort of big narrative swing that this you kind of have to get on board with in order to think this is any good. And I thought that one thing was incredibly stupid on just about every level and also makes no sense within the context of this movie or within the context of this trilogy or within the context of this series. And uh, yeah, it's frustrating because I do think there was something there. I think this could have been really good. I think that Jamie Lee Curtis is <laughs> as, as good as she has always been, at least within this trilogy, but just in general, uh, it's frustrating. It's a frustrating movie, and I just, I kind of think that it's hard for anyone watching it to feel like this is anything but anticlimactic, whether it's 
to this specific trilogy or this series in general with its whole Halloween ends-ness. Yeah, so heading into this, I'd only seen the teaser trailer, which depicted Laurie fighting Michael. And that was all I needed. I didn't want to watch any of her trailers. I didn't pay attention to any marketing material. Nothing. I was like, okay. Like, Halloween Kills followed 2018 the same night. I imagine that Halloween Ends is going to also take place on the same day, continuity-wise. And it's going to, like, be maybe the dawn, you know, November 1st or something like that. Hence Halloween Ends. Uh, I, I really just went into this with this expectation of thinking this is going to be the movie of Laurie Strode versus Michael Myers. It is not that at all. <laughs> this film, as I said at the top, really subverted my expectations in a way that I am still wrestling with because I think if this was a regular just like standalone Halloween movie, I would like it even more. But because we had these other two films of buildup towards this finale, this conclusion, as a finale, I think it fails. And yet, I admire, I admire so, so much that this movie at least tried to be something different. And it subverted those expectations, like I said. The way it goes about doing that, I think, is clunky as hell. And I still have issues with the screenwriting, which I've had complaints about across all three of these films now at this point. But I do like David Gordon Green's direction still. I, I very much enjoy that 2018 felt like a spiritual successor in terms of tone and style to the 1978 original film. And then Kills was just, as Cody said, like balls to the wall, gnarly as hell. Some of the most creative and brutal kills that the franchise has ever seen. And here it ditched the retro look of the last two films it feels like so much more modern and contemporary uh in terms of its cinematography in terms of how it's edited and just overall presented to the audience and then on top of that it really isn't a slasher film <laughs> i mean michael myers is an afterthought in this movie and that's Something that I, I believe, oh God, what is it? Is it Season of the Witch? Is it the third one? Season of the Witch is the one that he's fully not in. It's its own thing. Yeah, and in, in a lot of ways, it reminded me very much of that one, which I saw so many years ago at this point. But I do, I do remember like him not being in the movie. And at times, I felt that way about this one. So in fact, actually, I just like admired the ideas. I didn't like the execution. I didn't like the end result, but I did think that they had an angle with this that was interesting to explore if it were a standalone film. Like if this was just another Halloween movie, I think I would have really dug this a lot more. Matt, your theory of them lining up of, of this one lining up with Halloween yeah. works entirely for me. I had the same thought because it even works with the other two because 2018 Halloween really wants to recapture that, you know, haunted suburban energy of the original. Halloween 2 and Halloween Kills are both a complete elevation in terms of brutality and violence yeah. and number of kills, and they mm -hmm. both have scenes in hospitals. And then yeah. this one is barely about Michael Myers. It's like Halloween 3, Season of the Witch is not about Michael Myers at all. 
I mean, it's about the idea of Michael Myers. And, you know, I, I, I can understand how the pandemic definitely influenced the writing for this one to ultimately talk about like how I guess evil is an infectious disease that is spreading throughout the town, corrupting it into fear. But it almost feels like a a repeat of the themes from Halloween Kills in a way. Uh, obviously, that explored more mob mentality. We're here. Everybody's like just driven to paranoia, fear, and can't really figure out how to carry on with normalcy. Very much, I think, how we all felt, uh, you know, and still feel about the pandemic in a way. Yeah, I really liked the sort of central idea about evil, you know, infecting us. And I sort of liked that, the imagery of that. I also liked the, I think this has the best single line of dialogue in any of this trilogy, which is the one about evil doesn't die, it just changes shape. Which is exemplified through the opening credits, which I really, really liked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I think my issue, like you said, like it's just done so clunkily and we're not at the end yet so like it's way too early to talk spoilers but like the way they went about um okay literalizing that idea and that concept just did not work at all but i'm kind of with you in that like i like the idea i respect the attempt and i do like that the there seemed to be a lot on its mind of like you know the nature versus nurture of evil and like are we just born evil or are, are we sort of the product of things that happen to us in that way and i kind of like that it same came down on the side of both and that there those are two different types of evil but they both exist in the world i like that but again like the way it went about doing it was just i <laughs> no no i mean like i agree because like the last 15 minutes i genuinely felt like i was now watching a completely different movie yeah. and it almost seemed to me like the last 15 minutes were the movie that we were promised and everything else before that is something that like i said if this was its own standalone movie, I, I think I would have dug it so, so much. But that's not the movie that fans wanted. You you had two preceding films that literally were setting up uh, a movie that they didn't deliver on. And they only gave us like 15 minutes of. And I think that's a miscalculation on their part. I'm OK with not being given what I thought I wanted as long as mm-hmm. it's done well. Yeah, I think this is done well. I think the writing is terrible. I think the characters are shallow and ill drawn. And, you know, you can make the argument. You could sweep it under the rug of this is a traumatized town. I'm not the first one to make this comparison, but it reminded me a lot of it and the way that mm. dairy in that town is completely poisoned by everything that's happened there and will happen again. But it just is it just seemingly like random the way these characters talk and it's not interesting in its randomness is not subversive or surreal it's it's just stupid and i'm sorry but the word that keeps coming to mind is like dumb and stupid which i know is not really <laughs> criticism but it's all i can think of well like the way i'll the way i'll summarize that is i like the ideas i think the ideas are smart i think the dialogue is dumb yes very much so but not just the dialogue like the characters the characters do not even make sense within this own trilogy's internal logic oh they completely derailed 
Andy Matichek's uh, Allison in this movie, in my opinion, so much. Like, yeah. so many decisions that she makes throughout the course of this movie, I did not feel were keeping in line with what was presented in the previous two films at all. And same thing, too, with Lori. I was very taken aback by the way that those two characters were presented throughout this film. And I get it. It's four years removed from kills and a lot can change in four years. But once again, it just seems like a miscalculation on the filmmakers part to have this time jump exist, to devote the the, the majority of your runtime to a brand new character that you're introducing here. And then on top of that, like, Sorry, like the lead performance is like not really that great, in my opinion, or that captivating. Like we're invested in Laurie and Allison's story. Why are we not finishing and concluding that story? Yeah. And, and, and on top of that, like the story, I just like I'm, I'm sorry. I, I find it really, really difficult to square this version of Laurie in this movie, at least at the start of this movie, with how she was presented in the first two movies, which is someone who just, like, can not get over her trauma and her past. And the Lori we see at the beginning of this movie is just, like, living her life. And she is, she's not Lori, she's Jamie Lee Curtis. She's burning pumpkin pies in the oven. <laughs> She's even wearing a similar skirt and outfit and styled similarly to the original movie. And, yeah. you know, on one hand, I am somebody who detested the way she was depicted in the 2018 Halloween. I thought it was a total disservice to the character. I think it didn't really bring anything to the movie except for a really weird mixed message on how you should handle your trauma based on how the movie starts versus how it ends. But whatever. So in that sense, I was kind of OK with how she started this film because I was glad to see her as somebody who's moved on. But I agree, it is a little odd to have her be this, you know, this Cassandra, this town crier in the last mm -hmm. two movies, the only one who's aware of the threat and treating it seriously. And in this one, it's quite the opposite. The town itself has not moved on at all. And she's kind of like, guys, it's okay. Like, chill out. We need to move on. <laughs> I'm writing a book about it. And <laughs> it just kind of really speaks to the way that this film is, you know, the way it looks at these characters in this world. I also really don't buy that everyone in the town is blaming her for Michael. That is yeah. really, it stretches the believability of, you know, the way that people react to tragedy to kind of just ridiculousness. And I guess it's maybe to make us feel bad for Lori, but we're kind of already bought into that. Yeah. Yeah. That was my big problem with kills too, is that just like the way they characterized the, townspeople just to me did not make sense no not at all they do not behave like regular normal people no would at all well they're no. not their allegory they're their crowd as metaphor and in this one yeah. they're all supposed to kind of be treated as individuals you know they're they all have there's a lot of individual moments where you know really thinly drawn characters will approach another character and just like i said word vomit everything about them yeah and think about them into their face so you're supposed to look at them as individuals but again the movie is drawing this is is drawn in this way that depicts it as you know again a, a entirely poisoned town and it just doesn't really work as you know macro or micro analysis yeah and i get the I, I I like that they kind of show that 
the Lori that we get in the like very beginning scenes of this is like she's just trying to paper over her sadness and her trauma and her past and she's trying to move on and she maybe hasn't moved on as much as she is presenting but even still it it didn't feel like (laughs) considering how like far gone she is i guess in 2018 halloween this did not like even with the four-year time jump it it didn't she lost her daughter in the last film (laughs) like yeah there's barely any mention of that like throughout this movie and i guess you could say that will change a person severely so yeah that but the movie doesn't do that work and for exactly. this movie no. is not a subtle movie it's not a movie that no. is, gonna, is trusting in the audience to make those connections itself uh, you know i i said uh before we hopped on here that i was gonna have to use this podcast to, like kind of work through my feelings with this movie because despite all of these things that we're talking about here there are still some elements in this film that i do admire and i do think work I, I think it is. I, I think we can all agree at this point that the score for all three of these films has been fantastic. One I think is the best yeah. one, actually. I think it, I really like the moody piano that plays throughout. There's different variations on the original themes, whereas the 2018 one is kind of just the original themes, you know, revamped. This definitely has some original cues, and I, I really did appreciate the score. Yeah. John Carpenter and his son and grandson or godson or whatever, like they have been they have been killing it on the music front. But speaking of killing it, though, I don't think any of the kills in this movie measure up to what we saw in Halloween Kills at all. There's some at a junkyard that are kind of impressive. Yeah. One involving a radio station. (laughs) Those are the two I would say are the best. Yes. The one at the radio station is my favorite kill in this whole trilogy. Oh, is it? I think, yeah. And but Oh, see, the fireman sequence and kills, like, still takes the cake for me. So the thing is, is that it's not even, it's not the kill itself that I love. It's, like, the aftermath. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Got it. The funny thing about that is I, and I may wrinkle some, you know, I might ruffle some feathers with this, but I, I really don't think the Halloween series in general is known for its specific kills. It's not like mm. Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street in that sense. It's much more about tone and character. You know, Halloween 2 and some of the other sequels have moments, but the original, you know, it's just yeah, like one stab and you're dead. There's not much to it, Yeah, which I think is its own thing. So it's funny to be like, where were the kills? But it does, you know, the movie doesn't give you much else to look for. So it's, I think, reasonable to want that. And also like the kills, (laughs) it's like a lot of movie before we get to any kills. Yeah, I think it's like, 40 minutes or so into the movie there are kills early on they're just kind of very matter of fact and oftentimes sort of sad well that's another thing too is that this movie is uh not at all scary like not a single jump scare ever got me in this i never felt a sense of dread fear or horror um if anything i felt like i was just watching a movie that was trying to pay a homage to the past but i feel like we've already seen that with the previous two films And yeah, there was some brutality, but in terms of just like trying to create, like you said, Cody, a a certain dark atmosphere and tone that would be scary. I don't think that this movie succeeds in that area at all. No way. There was nothing about this that made me feel any sort of dread. Uh, There was, you know, the violence was gleeful. It was almost like Tarantino, I guess, if you want to make the comparison. But that's not scary. 
you know, and that's fine. That's all well and good. But again, there's not much else there to look for. I mean, even by the end where let, let's all face it, I, I think that each of us heading into this movie, like each of us did not know where this was going to go because there's so many different directions that they possibly could take what they're calling the end of the story in. So when we got to like the final sequence, I was thinking to myself, all right, there are so many different directions that this could still go in. That was like the only point in the movie where I felt like any sense of suspense, if you will. But because the ending of the movie feels so disconnected from everything else that came prior to it, like I said, it feels like its own separate movie at at a a point. I, I just was numb. And I didn't really feel anything. I didn't feel any sense of catharsis. I didn't feel like any sense of dread. I didn't even get a, you know, fuck yeah, fist pump moment. Like, I I, I didn't feel anything because I think the narrative flow of this movie and its momentum is just so all over the place. Uh, I'll say the, the climactic sequence was a really big issue for me because the movie has spent the its entire runtime up to that point sort of building up one main plot and then dispatches with that very, very matter-of-factly and kind of quickly. How in God's name can you spend all that time and then not have it factor into the finale? Like, it's baffling to me. I think it's because they wanted to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted to present this new drama, this Mm -hmm. searing look into the nature of evil and how evil where it can come from, where it can stem from. But this has to end with Laurie facing Michael, obviously. So you have to include that. And to get there, you have to kind of move through another plot in a very ungraceful way. Yeah. (sighs) Did you guys get like Corey, Laurie? Isn't that fun? Stop. Oh my God, no. How dare you, Cody? He's a babysitter. My mom's name was Martha too. God. God. Whatever positive, at least for me, I just like the presence of Will Patton, even though he was once again underutilized in this movie. I just like his screen presence and what he adds to these light scenes with Laurie, even though they feel like they're just they don't belong. You know, I mean, and also, too, it just didn't feel like once again, like he had any bearing on the plot. Yeah, he there was an opportunity to use him, I think, in the finale. They did not. So his inclusion here feels so pointless, but yet at the same time, I, I just like Will Patton. Yeah, I, I like him in this role. I like him in this trilogy in general. Like the scene of him and Laurie in the supermarket. It's very cute. It's very sweet. Yeah. And the character means and does nothing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, and whatever thing too, before we get to spoilers here. Um, I, I think there'll be definitely some, I don't know, I haven't really heard many people talk about this in terms of whether or not it's as divisive as some other elements, but I really liked the soundtrack for this film. I was very taken aback with the radio channel rock music that opened <laughs> up over the credits. Yes. I actually thought it was a mistake at some point, and I thought I was maybe playing the wrong movie by accident. And uh, I love that the closing uh, closing credit song was Don't Fear the Reaper, which I thought was kind of perfect, actually. There's also a fun little Muzak version of Don't Fear the Reaper playing in the supermarket when yeah. uh, Laurie and Will Patton are hanging out. I thought that was cute. Yeah, yeah I noticed that. <laughs> there, there, there are pieces here. There are certain pieces that 
I, I did enjoy overall, but I, I did find it odd that in the year 2022, an entire town was listening to the radio. <laughs> right. Was, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I can't even make a comparison because there's nothing that everybody but, follows anymore. There's just it just didn't really. I don't know. It was an odd. It felt like they were like, we want to include this radio station, this voice of God that's commanding all the people and telling them what to think. Will it make sense in this year? No, but it's what we want. <laughs> I was going to say, like, they're listening to the radio like it's 1999. <sighs> yeah. All right. Spoiler section. Sure. Spoiler section. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's take a walk. <laughs> Five seconds later, I killed someone. <laughs> We've all been there, ladies. Relatable. <laughs> if that was not the funniest line of dialogue in the entire movie, I don't know what was. <laughs> I And her reaction to it is just like, yeah, but it's so stupid. I killed someone like, yeah, I know it's your whole. I think that's what she thinks he's yeah. admitting to in that scene. Yeah. All right. So anyway, context here. Corey's babysitting this little shit, Jeremy, on Halloween 2019, a year after the Myers killings. And Jeremy, like I said, is being like a little shit for absolutely no reason. Locks him in the attic. Jeremy, uh, no, uh, Corey kicks open the door. Jeremy falls off the balcony to his death in front of his mother, who for some reason was giving me Kirsten Dunst vibes. Anyway. It, it was a very interesting opening to the film and one that I actually kind of liked. Yeah. Um, but then we keep following Corey post this incident, which he has avoided uh, there being any charges placed against him. Uh, but he's kind of like looked at now as like, you know, wearing like the scarlet letter you know, across the town, like nobody wants anything to do with him. He's antisocial. He doesn't go out uh, because he doesn't want to face the wrath of the town. It's so weird, too, because I feel like the script and the way that he's portrayed almost makes it seem like he should be younger. Like he's I think they say he's 21. I think yeah, in this movie. Do. Yeah, he looks like a fucking 35 year old man. <laughs> like, yeah. It's he was- so weird to see this guy <laughs> who looks like a man act so weak and insecure and just emotionally fragile and i'm sorry but like the performance that was being given here as i mentioned earlier just was not for me captivating as captivating as the ideas behind what was being presented here in terms of what kind of a character arc uh he was going on yeah at i really like that opening sequence i think that it's really well directed and but was not expecting for that to become the center of this movie's story, um, which like love that the one consistent thing about the David Gordon Green trilogy is um, retconning things into previous movies. <laughs> that, that's a lot of fun. That's certainly one way to do it. I just. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. And it seems like. The, like it's a yet another movie that kind of wants to be about cancel culture, but has no clue 
how to make what it wants to say about that work in any way that resembles the real world. Oh, I, I think that the themes that we were mentioning before about, like, the pandemic, for example, I think that works a lot better here than... Yeah. Even the mob mentality in Kills, I, I think... I, I think the themes that this movie is playing with are actually stronger and more effective in in practice. Uh, but the overall execution is still just as clunky as anything that we've seen in the previous two. Uh, so, Corey... I, I don't know how this still ends up happening, because once again, I think the writing for Allison in this film is atrocious. But somehow, some way, Corey and Allison end up like together. And I never bought into this central romance whatsoever. As much as I did not buy in the fact that uh, the, the 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 cop was like her ex-boyfriend, I was like, you two dated? Really? No. Like, that can't be. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was talking about, like, <laughs> someone looking, like, way too old slash way too young. Yeah. The cop was, like, easily in his 40s, and Andy's, she has to be, like, late 20s. I That was very, that was a bit jarring. I don't think that worked the way that he intended it to. I I bought her connection to Corey given what they were trying to do with the town and the Strode women. But I never bought that she would actually like fall in love with this guy. It was, it, it was very, very weird. And again, it just feels like Corey is sort of a theme as opposed to a character. I wish they would have done something more, though, with this theme. Like, to me, I don't want to, like, place words in the mouth of, like, the screenwriters or anything like that. So I'm not going to say, like, oh, here's an idea I have, and I think that this is better. But I do think that him eventually either turning into a new Michael Myers, helping Michael Myers, and... I just feel like it was a very interesting concept that still was left open to fervor exploration. Like there was still a lot more they could have done with this. Okay. The, the thing about bringing this character, new character in and having him essentially be the actual killer, not the big baddie that you think it's going to be is not a new one for slasher movies. Um, right. Ryan mm-hmm. 13 part five does this exact thing. Jason is fully not in that movie. And I just don't think it works, unfortunately. And again, I'm okay with a subversion of expectation. I actually usually think that's interesting if done well. But this just feels kind of, I don't know. It just, it it seemingly comes out of nowhere. This kid who is given a sympathetic, you know, light in the movie's eye, then kind of just becomes another killer. It it, Because he looks into Michael's eyes? I don't know. It just, just, it did not... (laughs) I, I don't want to be one of the people who is like, logically, that doesn't make sense, because I think that's a boring way to critique movies. But within its own logic, within the way it's yes. its own characters, it does not follow. Okay, that the whole thing with him looking into Michael's eyes, look. <laughs> it In no movie in this franchise has Michael Myers ever let someone live. If you if you want to do something like that where he is able to look into this kid's eyes and say, ah, yes, you shall be the Robin to my Batman. Like, like where did this superpower come from? How come we've never heard of it before? That's such a huge leap to make yeah. that you have to set it up somehow. 
now. If not in this movie, then in the other movie. Like, you had two other movies to set up this happening. <laughs> I think that if they had just ditched that completely and had these these interactions with the townspeople and carefully crafted dialogue, they could have conveyed a true psychological torment that eventually leads into just this transformation for him. And I probably would have bought that a lot more just from a real world standpoint, rather than whatever the fuck this interaction in the sewers was, because all of a sudden now he's killing random hobos, you know, and it's like, I, 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 I was like, just, I wasn't buying it. I wasn't sold on it. No. Yeah. And, you know, this wouldn't be the first Halloween movie to imbue Michael with some sort of supernatural power. Mm-hmm. If you want to send a chill up any Halloween fans spy and just say curse of thorn. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, this movie, like you said, Matt, it does not work in the world of the movie at all. And I'm not even sure if it's supposed to be supernatural or some sort of like imprinting or some sort of psychological break in Corey. Because the weird thing is, you know, they have this like psychological connection and Michael, at the same time, is the weakest he's ever been. You know, it's yeah. very clear he's an old man. He's falling down, which on, on one hand I appreciate because there is a kind of, you know, <laughs> ridiculousness to this AARP member running around town and like people with no problem. Um, but it it does not work together. The blend of, you know, powerful brain versus weak body, I think, is not well sewn. Also, too, I, I don't know if you all noticed this, but like the scenes where Corey is wearing the Michael Myers like mask. It's clearly not Corey like in the outfit. They're still using um uh what's his name? Uh uh Nick Castle uh Are they? I don't I didn't get that. Well, I don't know. I think it was just because like the way that uh Corey's hair is I, I was like, "Oh, it looks too curly for it to be like Michael Myers and some you know, and then I thought, "Oh, maybe it's not I just kept wondering, like, oh, is that really Corey or is that the original shape? I mean, I think you're definitely supposed to think that Mm -hmm. because I think they definitely are playing with the like, oh, who's the real killer bit. Yeah. But um, it was also just like incredibly clear to me almost every time when it was Corey and when it was Michael. I mean, because Corey is a lot shorter than Michael, too. Let's let's face it. (laughs) And not as strong. Yeah. And although I did like that little little element where he's like trying to like trying to kill the people and like, no, no, dude, stop. Oh, <laughs> like he's clearly not as good at this yeah. as Michael is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just overall, I'm I'm so incredibly mixed on Corey's inclusion in the story, the trajectory of the character. And then how they dispatch with him at the end, too, is something that I I just like kept saying to myself, we spent so much time here and he's completely disregarded and has no impact on the outcome of this movie. When don't you all think that the perfect like uh, once again, I don't want to like suggest, oh, here's a better idea here. But like, don't you all think that the way that this probably should have gone by conventional like horror standards is Lori deals with Michael, but Corey is now the one that's somewhere out there. Yeah, and I was so glad that they didn't do that, honestly. Okay. Like, because that just w- would have felt <laughs> incredibly cheap. Like, oh, you're ending, but you're not really ending. I uh-huh, I see what you did there. Well, well, what do you think of the final shot then with the mask still being kept by Lori in the house? 
<laughs> is it a memento? I maybe had a different interpretation of that than you did. <laughs> um, okay. Well, what, what's that? Well, so that was sort of me like, it was sort of hinting at like what the movie was trying to get at in the, in trying to get at in the earlier scenes with Lori. Like, yeah, okay, she can move. She's moving on, quote unquote, with her life. But this is still always going to kind of be there in the back of her mind, ready to like trip her up any moment. That's how trauma works. Exactly. Exactly. It's this big, big, dumb trauma metaphor. And it, it kind of works, but they kind of like underline it in big, bold strokes. And, you know, that that's fine. That's fine. Well, what do you think, Cody? <laughs> I... I think like everything else in this movie, it's trying to make some sort of statement, but failing. Mm -hmm. I think it's trying to say, you know, well, she can't leave this part of her behind, but blah, blah, blah. I I just, I also took it to be, because there's a time jump at the end, if I recall correctly. Yeah. I was kind of checked out at this point. Um, So I kind of (laughs) took this shot of the mask on the table to be kind of a jump back to the immediate moment after they bring his body off the table. I didn't think it was something that was like sitting on their counter rotting away for years, like Mm -hmm. a banana, but still, I think it's, you know, trying to say something about evil lingering. It changes shape, blah, blah, blah. Um, Again, the shallow pop psychology and pseudo. So this movie knows no ends and knows (laughs) no ends of tiring me out. There is one theme that I actually do like though, that the movie does present, which is that in the absence of Michael Myers, the town, needs a new boogeyman like they need someone to point the finger to at blame, to be petrified yeah. by to blame exactly that was something that i thought once again there are some ideas in this that i really am gravitating towards and i like that they're exploring but it doesn't explore it in a sufficient enough way to actually make a substantial emotional impact exactly that um, I also thought the drama between Lori and Corey. Oh, God, I hate saying their names in succession like that. Um, I found it to be very melodramatic, like the scenes where Lori was confronting uh, him about being with Allison or Allison being with him. I was like, what? When did Halloween suddenly become like this melodrama about relationships? It just seems so out of place. I mean, in 2018 is when that happened. OK, fair enough. But, but that scene with. With the two of them in the house where uh, Corey killed the kid, I literally the way it ended, I'm like, wait, was that supposed to all be taking place in his mind? Mm-hmm. Like, really? You're pulling that shit? Like, oh, my God. And then when it was then it was implied that, no, yeah, she really did do that. And I'm like, again, like this characterization of Lori in the script just keeps bouncing back and forth all over the place as to what it wants to be. And I feel bad because Jamie Lee Curtis is like really good. Oh, in the moment where Allison walks in and she sees or thinks that Lori has killed Corey. Yeah. uh, Like I love Jamie Lee Curtis in that moment because she's playing it very well in terms of how Allison sees her. And also I think reflecting on how the townspeople you know, see her and the, the, there's a lot of emotions that Jamie Lee Curtis is processing yeah. in that moment that I really, really enjoyed there. But it just gets undercut then by the real Michael then showing up. And once again, it just feels like, OK, we have to do this because this is what we promised everyone. And it just feels like the filmmakers didn't want to make that movie. They wanted to make this other movie. <laughs> right. It felt it was an obligation, which isn't mm-hmm. what you want from your screenplay. No, not at all. Um, but. The idea of like also Lori doing this like Fox suicide attempt 
at that point, I was like, oh, fuck off. I, I was like beside myself that Lori as a character would even be going there. Uh, that when it was revealed, like, oh, this was like just a way for me to like lure you in. You think I would actually kill myself, motherfucker, or whatever. But then I was like, wait a minute. But how did she know then that that would bring him in? I thought that was so weird. <laughs> yeah. And like, again, like, you know. It's a horror movie, so lot logic. Well, who needs logic? I do. <laughs> but, but like, you have there has to be some semblance. There has to be some acknowledgement somehow that she like <laughs> that she senses something or notices something before she goes and does that. But they couldn't do it because they it's it it's like bald faced manipulation of the audience to believe that this is actually happening that she is actually doing this and they want it to be a gotcha moment and go off i guess what'd you guys think of the eventual Lori michael one-on-one fight because at first i was a little i was a little pissed at first that Lori seemed to defeat michael one-on-one which i'm like okay no one's ever like successfully done this but then i thought about what cody was saying which is well he is an old man (laughs) and then i also thought to myself you know what they actually gave him a little bit because even though she had him pinned down he still broke free and was still strangling her until allison showed up and broke his arm so she did need help so like in a way it was like they i think were trying to give them both points if you will and not to say like oh one would have single-handedly beat it, beat the other. Like they, they like they, in order for one to win, the other would have needed help. Like he would have needed Corey, she would have needed Allison, et cetera, et cetera. You know. So remember at the beginning of this when I said that I, I can't believe that anyone would find this anything other than anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. It's because of how Lori kills Michael. Just like her slowly running that knife across his neck and then slowly running that knife across his wrist. I'm like, like, really? But, but the trash compactor. The trash compactor is is good. Yeah. I thought that was satisfying. Yes. Compactor is good. But the townspeople also saying, this isn't how we do things. And and the guy going, it is tonight. (laughs) All the cops being like, no, like, you don't do this. And the the chief of police being like, no, this is a special exception. They like literally crowd surf Michael over to it. I was like, I'm loving this. I'm loving that the town is actually in on let's fucking destroy his body. That I liked that moment a lot more than. Yeah, the kitchen stuff with Lori and the slow, like, it, it it was weird to me because didn't you all feel like deep down, no matter if you slice this guy's throat, no matter if you slice his wrist, no matter if you cut off his head, like, he's still going to keep coming. So right. why is she, like, drawing this out? I, I think it was supposed to be some sort of grand finale, obviously. The weird thing is that it's, you know, the most gentle of the kills in almost yeah. the franchise. It's almost benevolent. It's almost, like, ritualistic. Which I, saying that out loud, I can kind of appreciate it. Yeah, and then, the, like, they're holding hands, too. Uh, I mean, I did, like, you know, because of the wrist slitting, there was a part of me that was like, oh, the pumpkin in the credits slicing open. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Like, I, I did like that that kind of played in, I suppose. But at the same time, it did feel like, this is not how you kill Michael Myers. Yeah. No way. But then when they, like I said, when they got to the uh, 
scrap yard i was like that's how you kill michael myers <laughs> yeah that was good i liked that and like that part i did feel was kind like kind of earned mm-hmm. um although like <laughs> you're going to go through all this trouble throughout these three movies of putting in kyle richard's character and then she doesn't show up for that no like I was, she I just not available on that day. Like I don't understand. <laughs> she shows up at like at the bar one scene, right? And that's like yeah. it. And suddenly she's like really into tarot when she has not been in any of the other movies. Like okay, go off, I guess. Like that's all mm-hmm. the time Bravo would allow her to have on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, final thoughts. I think we're there. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Uh, so, Cody, any final straight thoughts, anything we didn't mention do you want to bring up about Halloween ends? Since we're in the spoiler section still, I thought it was quite odd. I might be wrong in misremembering this, but I don't think Michael has a single solo kill on his own. He All has the kills are either Corey and then he breaks Corey's neck after Corey stabbed himself. And there's the Allison's ex, the cop that Corey brings down to the sewers and they kind of kill him together. I, I might be wrong, but otherwise it's all Corey. And that's the, gir- all- the girl, the girl, which girl? I need more. Uh, Allison's coworker, the nurse. Oh, and, and the doctor. Was that yeah. Michael? Because they, oh, Wait, the doctor right. is you're just right, you're Michael. Right, you're right, you're right. Okay. Yeah, the doctor well, is Corey, but the girl is just Michael. Okay. Got it. It's just odd still. It's just kind yeah. of, again, it speaks to the film's lack of, focus on michael which i keep saying like could have been fine that's not a bad thing in a vacuum i think it's poorly executed like so much in this movie but this kind of speaks to something that i felt after i saw halloween kills which was wow this was so brutal so gnarly in terms of the kills i was like thinking to myself where do they go from here with halloween ends and the answer turned out to be, well, we're not going to do anything more than that. In fact, we're going to go literally in the opposite direction, which I don't think any of us were expecting for a finale for this. No, it's just I think some filmmakers and I think that David Gordon Green clearly mm-hmm. is a filmmaker revel in subverting expectations and call that dramatic stakes when that's not the case. And yeah. I think this movie is pretty clear as to why that doesn't work on its own. All right. Anything else? Just kind of a bummer. I mean, like I didn't go in with like high expectations because, you know, this this mini (laughs) branch of the Halloween series has been up and down. The series as a whole has been up and down. But I was hoping for at least some, you know, autumnal vibes, some good Michael action, some good Jimmy Lee, some good music. And I got some of that. All right. Dan Bear, what about you? Um, so. The tongue on the record player is fucking great. <laughs> I really, really loved that. I think there is a way to do Michael killing Corey that works, but this way d- made no sense. 
it's like you have you know sort of taken him under your wing basically you know you you let him live when you could have killed him and you've killed some people together and now when you see him like bleeding out on the floor you snap his neck like why why like why why since he's already clearly dying like is it is that like a compassionate thing? Are you putting him out of his misery? Like, are you mad at him because he was going after Laurie and like that's your kill? I <laughs> very frustrating. And like it could have been done so easily if they didn't have that whole like connection between them. And then he shows up and like fuck you, Corey. But this way, just it it didn't it didn't work at all and that made me upset <laughs> because like cody i do think like i think that there is something interesting in that idea and it doesn't it is not outright bad it's not a bad idea but the way they went about doing it just it feels like they fumbled almost every step of that and i feel bad because like ultimately i don't think it's a bad movie but it's very underwhelming and coming as like the big finality i mean you're naming it ends <sighs> do you guys think that there's a possibility that this movie might get a reappraisal in the future well horror fans are an interesting bunch in that nothing <laughs> is ever dead you know there's always somebody who's a fan of something. There's always somebody who's a detractor or something. That's just the way it works. So I absolutely mm-hmm. do think, and I do think this is getting a pretty mixed reception. I've seen, yeah, not I've, I've most, seen some people that love it. Yeah. Yes, I think the general sense is that this is not a good movie, but I've seen some people stick up for it, which has been the case for all three of these installments. That's kind of been the reaction for all of them. The yeah. first one definitely got more universal appraisal, but mm-hmm. still had its detractors, myself included. I do think this could become something that people are like, oh, it's not so bad. It explores this, explores that. Especially if you compare it to other lesser entries in the franchise, I get that. Like, it almost feels like it's like the last Jedi of this franchise where people are going to just like vigorously debate it for all eternity, you know? I I don't know if it will have. I, I kind of think the fact that it's like a whimper of an ending for this trilogy yeah. maybe puts the whole thing to like pop culture bed. I mean, like there's again, there's always me fans of it. Horror never dies. But I don't <laughs> see myself returning to this franchise ever, mm-hmm. really, possibly, unless I decide to do some sort of weird triple feature against my best uh, intentions. Write a book, Cody. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, some sort of like Sex and City adjacent <laughs> memoir like Jamie Lee Curtis is doing. <laughs> some sort of combination of memoir slash pop psychology piece. Yeah, that book also sounded bad, girl. Hey, true crime novels are uh, super popular. I'm yeah, just saying. It was not a good novel, though. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> and the way she kept like editing it on the fly, I'm like, that's bad too. That's bad too. That's bad too. <laughs> <laughs> like, girl, you're not a writer. No. <laughs> I did like the recap uh, from Lori, you know, spliced with the clips. And I did like that they did that again towards the end. I mean, like, did it work? Not really. By the time I got to the end of the movie, I didn't care. But in the beginning, I was like, oh, I love that they are going to, you know, really tie back to the previous films and really make this a conclusion. Like, I, I just had so much hope in the beginning of this film especially because of the tone it was taking and the way it was shot and the way it was edited and just being presented i was like okay 
I am more on board with this early on than I had been with the previous two films. And I don't know if it's fair to say this necessarily. You guys can tell me if you think I'm right or wrong. But I think that if you loved Halloween Kills, you'll probably hate this movie. And if you hated Halloween Kills, I think you stand a better chance to like this movie because it is so radically different. It's definitely closer in time yeah. to the original, or not the original. It's the, the first one. Movies. Yes. <laughs> the Halloween, that's not the, the, not the original, not the, the remake, the one that's a sequel to the original that has the same name, 2018, 2018 right. Halloween. The David Gordon Green Halloween. Right. But it's. Yeah. I think it's closer in tone to that one. And, you know, I'm mm. on my lonely island with very few friends who thought Halloween Kills was the high point of this trilogy, and therefore I did not like the other two. And I think most people are going to have the inverse reaction. If they even like this one, they might just not like this one, even if they like the first one. Yeah. Any other thoughts or? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, my only other thoughts I have here. Oh, I just really hated this line of dialogue, so I want to mention it here. Just burn it all to the ground. I'll light the match. Oh, God. Oh, huge cringe. Oh, oh, my God. And they... For for them to actually pull the if I can't have her, no one will. Like, oh, come on. How many times have I heard that? (laughs) But seriously, though, the townspeople saying this isn't how we do things. It is tonight kind of made up for everything (laughs) for me. (laughs) It's just so stupid. Like Cody said, disc jockey kill. Great. Loved it. Corey almost getting hit by cars all the time was interesting. I don't know where they were going with that. Yeah. But it happened like two or three times, right? He's really a fan of ledges, whether it's pushing. <laughs> <laughs> it happens like three or four times. Also, like implied that the the big bullies are like musical theater and or band geeks. They're band geeks. <laughs> my What year is this movie <laughs> taking place in? My viewing party was distracting ourselves by deciding who played what instrument. And also too, the guy is literally supposed to be 21 years old. Who's bullying at 21 like that? Well, no, he's 21 in the opening scene. That makes it even worse. So he's like 25, which like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It does not make any sense. Stupid. You know what? Even just talking through all this, I, 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 I'll tell you this. My, my grade initially was a five because I walked into this movie like so mixed. I didn't know like where to go with it. Uh, I'm giving this a four out of 10 at this point. There are still some elements to it that I like. I actually, this is going to sound very bizarre. I actually think it might be my favorite of the three David Gordon Green directed films. Whoa. But just because, once again, I don't typically like slasher films. I like slasher films when they aren't slasher films. And for parts of this movie, it was exactly that. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I And I'll tell you this, like, I don't want to go back and rewatch all three of these movies to make a definitive statement on this. I've only seen each one of them once, but I would say Kills is still my least favorite. So it's between this and the 2018 one. So I don't know. Maybe they're both tied for me. But overall, neither one of these three films ended up in the positive territory for me when all was said and done. And that makes me very, very, very fearful for what David Gordon Green is going to do with The Exorcist, because that is my favorite horror movie of all time and one of my top 10 favorite movies ever. So 
oh my god, I'm petrified of that more than I am of anything in these three movies. So, oh, Cody, what about you? What's your grade out of 10? I'm at a 5 out of 10, uh, which does place it at the lowest of this trilogy. Not by a ton, but still. Um, I still kind of enjoyed my time watching it as many critiques as I have and I'm sorry I'm going to have a little bit of a bias towards horror in general but this is not a good movie this is not a good Halloween movie Dan Bear yeah so coming out of the theater I was at a six and I think part of that is because like I had a good time in the theater watching it but the more I have thought about it and talked about it since then it just keeps kind of sinking uh, a little bit so i think ultimately i'm at a five out of ten all right no oscar potential no remember when halloween kills premiered at venice and some people were like best supporting actress jamie lee curtis yeah. <laughs> i'm just saying that like i i just find Listen, we all wanted to like these movies. I, I think deep down we all wanted these movies to work. And I still think there are some elements of the three of them that do work. There is like a very uh, just sick part of me that does wonder, OK, is there ever going to be a day maybe on Halloween one year where I decide to just sit down and binge watch all three of these like in succession? And I wonder like how they would all play in terms of just. The trajectory of Allison, Lori, Michael, like their stories across all three of these. If they had gone with the original concept for the trilogy, which was that they all take place on the same night. Which they should have done. Yeah, I think that would have been really cool. Yes. At, at the very least, it would have been thematically interesting to have them all take place on one night and see what they can do with that. It probably would have meant that watching them back to back made it even worse because given the uneven handling of character and theme and tone that the movies have had in general, I don't know that I trust that it would have held together exactly, but that at least would have provided more momentum, I think, to this and certainly would have made it, I imagine it would have made this movie a more coherent experience than it ended up being. But um, who knows? Cody, do you have any like definitive uh, take? Do you want to take us out on? Um, Not really. I'm just kind of in a like sour mood. (laughs) Talking about this movie made me a little bit bummed out. Uh, I do love this franchise still. And I do hope that, you know, this is not obviously the last Halloween film we're ever going to get. So I do hope that whatever they do with it in the future can bring a bit more of some sort of semblance of energy that I find enjoyable to it, but I'm, you know, history is not on my side in that wish. Yeah. I do think that like, as long as John Carpenter's original Halloween exists, I can't see any reason why I would ever want to revisit any of these again. All right. There you go. Evil has officially died today. (laughs) Cody Derricks, where can they find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at CodyMonster91. And if you like me talking about horror movies, I have my own little horror movie podcast called Halloweeners. You can find us wherever you listen to horror movies. Or podcasts. What the <laughs> <laughs> podcasts. Yes, like. horror movies plug Cody's podcast <laughs> on the regular. <laughs> I'm pride. <laughs> Dan Bear, where can they find you on the internet? 
You can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on film. And you can find me in Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Halloween Ends here on the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.